Welcome to today's episode of the No Greater Joy podcast. In our conversation that's about to occur, you'll hear uh, a conversation regarding our fellowship of churches. And we just realized as we were discussing that we need to share some of the info on what these acronyms, these abbreviations stand for. And so you'll hear us reference the GARBC, which is the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches, the OARBC, which is the Ohio Association of Regular Baptist Churches, as well as our uh, Hebron Fellowship, which is our local uh, fellowship that runs as far east as uh, Northfield, as far west as Sandusky, um, and all along the lake here in north central Ohio. And so uh, with that in mind, we really hope you enjoy the conversation between Pastor Steve and to and Sam Farlow and uh, Chuck Posley, and uh, Pastor Steve has a word as well. Yep. So let me just, uh, what those acronym, the GRBC, ORBC, as you mentioned, uh, General Association of Regular Baptist Churches. Uh, we talk about them in our Discovering Grace class as to what they mean, but just real quick, the general in the General Association is a geographic term, and so we, we would have, there's Southern Baptists, at one point there was Northern Baptist, and so general in the sense, uh, these guys that came out of the Northern Baptist, uh, the, these association is countrywide, so there's not just a local area so that's the general. An association is you have churches that are autonomous, and they're voluntarily fellowshipping with an, a group of churches. So that's an association. Uh, the association doesn't have authority over those local churches, so it's a voluntary, uh, these independent autonomous churches that are voluntarily fellowshipping and associating with each other. The regular, in the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches, that's a doctrinal theological kind of designation. Uh, so these are, they hold, uh, churches hold these regular biblical positions, not left-leaning, right-leaning, but this would be, you know, the, these regular beliefs, the inspiration of Scripture, uh, the Trinity, uh, those kinds of things. And so these are general, it's an association, they are regular in their beliefs, and they are Baptistic. And so we talk about Baptist distinctives here at Grace in our classes as well, but they're Baptist churches, and it's churches. So G-A-R-B-C is a general association of regular Baptistic and their churches. So these are not, uh, it's not a fellowship of pastors or individuals and their churches, all right? And so the OARBC is the same fellowship, just in Ohio, and on the local level, it is our Hebron, all right? So those are the designation of what they are and some of the ideas or the meanings behind the, the acronyms, all right? Yep, so with all that in mind, uh, please enjoy the conversation. Yeah, enjoy it. Episode 16 of the No Greater Joy podcast brought to you by the pastors here at Grace Baptist Church because we want our people to know greater joy uh, in their walks with Jesus. We want to equip our people 
being 24-7 worshipers, alongsiders, and go people, uh, in which we're convinced there is no greater joy in stepping into these three areas. And this uh, for this episode, want to talk about um, the, the associations and the fellowships that our church uh, is participating in. And so to talk about that, happy to have, I, my name is Steve Strong, lead pastor here at Grace. Happy to have uh, Ryan Adkins in the Timothy position here at Grace. And we have two guests. Uh, the first guest is Chuck Posley, who is the state representative for the Ohio Association of Regular Baptist Churches, which we participate in. And we also have Sam Farlow, who is a local pastor, uh, serves on the, I guess we would call it the, they call them like a council, but Council of 18 uh, for the GARBC, participating in the OARBC, and in the Hebron, which is a third. And so to clear some of that mud up, <laughs> there are, for us at Grace, there are three different fellowships, associations that we participate in. One is locally. We call that the Hebron, and I think there's 28 different churches, ranging from uh, Norwalk, kind of a southeast of where we are at Grace, west to uh, Sandusky, and then up all along the lake, so covering that kind of area. We also participate in a state level, which is the OARBC, Ohio Association of Regular Baptist Churches, as well as the national which is the GARBC. So before we get into all of that, I um, want to uh, just welcome our guest, allow you to take a few minutes, just kind of introduce yourself, and um, we'll start with Chuck. Okay. Chuck Posey, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. It's a privilege to be with you today. Thankful for the opportunity to be able to share. Uh, I am married to Linda. We have been married for 45 years. Wow, congratulations. Thank you so much, and uh, we're very thankful for how God has blessed us. We have four children, three sons and a daughter, and they one lives in Ohio, uh, two live in Iowa, and one lives in Texas. And we have eight grandchildren, which we're very thankful for. We've been in pastoral ministry for 39 years, 39 years pastored here in Ohio, pastored in, in Iowa, and pastored in Florida. And the last five years, I've been the state representative. So total ministry time, 44 years. God has been very gracious to Good. us. Good. You've been a blessing to us here at Grace. Thank, so. thank you. Sam, tell us a little bit about you. I'm not sure that you probably haven't met most of our people. Uh, maybe a few have been down to, been down there to First Baptist in Strongsville. But mm -hmm. share, tell us a little bit about, okay. about Sam. Well, I'm an ex-Methodist who got saved in college and uh, ended up going to Baptist circles as a fresh, as a junior in college. And ended up at Grand Rapids Baptist College and Seminary, and then ended up becoming a missionary with ABWE in the USA. So we've done all of our missionary work in the States. Um, and having never been west of Oklahoma before we went to start our first church, we went out to California <laughs> and uh, learned uh, about the California culture. Um, we have four kids. My wife and I have been married 47 years and uh, 16 grandkids. And that's kind of why we're in Ohio, is because we want to move closer to the ones that were out east, because we have them spread out from Denver to uh, Iowa to New Hampshire. Um, and the, the, one of the reasons I'm kind of happy to be a part of this, count, this group uh, right here, making this podcast, is because um, our travels as church planter, church revitalizers, has taken us into a number of states. So I've not only enjoyed 
the uh, Michigan Fellowship, but the uh, Central California Fellowship, the Baptist Network Northwest, which is up in the northwest part of the states, um, a couple of uh, uh, local fellowships, the Treasure Valley Fellowship in Idaho, um, the uh, Portland Area uh, Fellowship, and then most recently the Denver area. The Rocky Mountain Association has less churches in the entire state and area than you have in just your council of 12, is it here? And so we only had 12 churches in the whole state of Colorado and Wyoming combined in the local fellowship. Wow. So I hope you guys realize how great a fellowship you have here at Hebron and all the blessings that you bring by the things that you do as a group for the mm -hmm. pastors especially. But we've really enjoyed getting to know the pastors here as well. Great. Well, let's start off with the maybe the obvious question with these associations within we fellowship. What's the, maybe... Chuck, you could just start off, what are our fellowships, what are they not, and how are they unique? You know, Sam comes from a Methodist tradition, uh, you know, others Presbyterian. Um, so share a little bit about what are these fellowships? Well, it's very interesting to think through that as, as I've been thinking the last couple of days about this is that I've been a part of the fellowship for the General Association my whole life. Uh, my father was a pastor, and uh, he pastored for 45 years and was involved in the fellowship. So from a young child, I've been a part of a GARBC. And then also, uh, as a teenager, I came to Ohio. I moved here as a senior in high school. And uh, so I've been a part of the OARBC for many, many years and really appreciate that. What's interesting about it is, is this, is that it's a, it's a voluntary organization. Uh, there is no hierarchy. Yes, there is a Council of 18 when it comes to the GRBC, and I'm a part of that as, as, as Sam has also been on that council for about 22, 23 years. Uh, there's, there's no hierarchy. There are pastors and people of different organizations, uh, part of our fellowship who are involved with that. Uh, they are elected by the churches just as the OARBC is the same way. Uh, when it comes to the council, we have of 12, which uh, Pastor, you're a part of, and uh, mm -hmm. we're thankful for that. Uh, you realize that uh, it's all voluntary also, and uh, no one is paid except for me. And uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, people are, are involved with that. But it's, it's, a great, it's a great fellowship of churches. In the GARBC, there's around 1,250 churches. In Ohio, there is 135. And when it comes to the Hebron, I, like you said, there's 28. Yep. So it's all voluntary. It's, it's focused upon fellowship. It's focused upon doctrine. Uh, theology is very important to all three fellowships. And it's there to encourage and to build each other up. Yeah, and so these are autonomous churches. Yes. So the GARBC... OARBC and the Hebron have no authority. That's exactly over right. these churches. Right, right. Um, with my role as a state representative, I'm there actually just to represent, to challenge, and to encourage. I have no power, which I'm thankful for, because every church is independent. Uh, each church has the ability to do what they desire to do. Uh, we have much diversity in the fellowships, both fellowships, but in all three fellowships. A lot of diversity, but there's also a lot of unity together because we have the same God, same word, same spirit, same Savior, and that's encouraging to know. Yep. So 
and both of you maybe can answer this. I didn't have this on the list of questions I, I gave to you guys. Um, maybe it goes along with this sense of how, how is this unique? Because it is unique. You know, we hear, uh, we're hearing in the news what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, you know, the Catholic Church has its organization. The, uh, the Presbyterian Church, the Methodist, United Church of Christ, you know, they all seem to organize themselves differently, but the way you're describing our fellowship seems, it does seem very unique. I guess, first of all, you know, is there another, I'm sure there are out there somewhere, but any other major groups of churches that organize themselves that way? And maybe why is it that we've tried to organize ourselves that way? Does that make sense? I, I'll just comment briefly, um, knowing the, a little bit of the history of the GRBC and how they were trying to uh, differentiate, differentiate themselves from the uh, Northern Baptist Convention, which mm -hmm. had begun to slide leftward or more liberal with the scriptures and deny some things that we held to strongly theologically. Uh, and the convention had a lot of control over the churches, including owning buildings and, and property. So the men wanted to get away from something that had sort of grips on their churches or even could dictate to the, some degree the kinds of things they taught and move to something that would give us more freedom. And so um, as well, I came out of a Methodist uh, mm -hmm. experience and there you had dues that you had to send in every year. And as you began to see on a national basis that the, the church was becoming, uh, they were absorbing um, uh, practical theology and practices that we would totally disagree with from the scriptures, and yet they, the churches had to kind of go along, toe the line, and send money to things that they were not supportive at all. So I love the way that this association has been formed for the purpose of having not only encouraging pastors and churches by way of cooperation, but enabling them to do something bigger than themselves by the way that they work together without having the, the claws, so to speak, holding them, um, mandating something in their lives, dictating to them either what they had to teach or what they had to practice. And so there's great freedom within the context of having the ability to accomplish more when we do it together. So, you know, you kind of touched on a little bit about the history of how the OIRBC, I think, was first and then the GRBC. Right. kind of was forming out of that Northern Baptist Convention. And um, I don't know, Chuck if, Chuck, if you want to add anything more to the, maybe the history of how things yeah. began to organize. It was interesting that what you said, Pastor, is true, is that uh, the OERBC began first in 1928. So it goes back uh, 94 years. I think that's a long time for a fellowship to be together. It started with three churches. Uh, Dr. Ketchum was a part of that. And a uh, church in Illyria, a church in the Columbus area, and also, I can't remember where the other church was, but they began, they came out of the, of the Northern Baptist Convention. Actually, they, they called it the, the, uh, uh, the Baptist Union. The Baptist Union and what, what it was. It was out of Des Moines, Iowa, that was a part of it. And the three, the three came together and began thinking about what, what are we looking at? When it comes to conventionalism, we don't want that. We don't want to be part of a convention anymore. We don't want the controls. There was issues also with the deity, a question of, about the deity of Jesus Christ. There was a problem with inerrancy. 
and they just sensed that they needed to start with a new fellowship. They, they didn't look at it to begin with that they were going to actually do that because they thought they could resurrect where they were, but chose that finally that they came out and decided to start a new fellowship. And to begin with, there were 32 churches that started with them in 1928, in October of 1928, and it's just amazing to think through that. And then on the national level, some of these men who were in Ohio were, were leaders on the national level, and in 1932 is when uh, the organization of the GARBC began, and it was really based upon the same issues of, of, of coming out of the Northern Baptist Convention and wanting to have a strong theology a biblical theology and be able to also get away from the convention and become an association of churches uh, that could unite together over Bible doctrine and fellowship. So what would you, kind of get ahead of myself here, but I think it's it fits well here, what are some of the strengths and weaknesses of this type of arrangement of churches that are fellowshipping and associating with each other, but really don't have any kind of authority over each other. Um, I don't know. So what are some of the, the strengths and weaknesses? I don't care who goes first, but what would you... I'll just start with one that as a missionary with ABWE, I find um, as a farm boy, we didn't like to ask people for things. And so to have to be a missionary appointee who would have to uh, go from church to church or person to person and ask for money was a really difficult thing for me. And we don't do that as well as perhaps the Southern Baptist as it relates to getting folks to the mission field quickly because they have uh, a means by which they can have monies pooled from all the churches and send missionaries quickly from that pooled effort. So in, in, there's a couple areas where we don't do things quite as well, especially in missions work. Um, I do like the fact that we are a group that um, we fellowship well together as pastors, and we uh, then try to have the churches become a part of that as well in the fellowship. And although we have um, um, the ability to do some things well for the pastors, I think that we could perhaps, um, if we had some joint funds available, that'd be better for us. Um, I like the fact that our association as a, as a whole is moving in the direction of trying to um, we're imitating a couple other groups. You know, one of them is Converge, that used to be the General Baptist. They've done some things that, as independent churches, not like the Southern Baptists, they're more independent, but they have put uh, church planting on the forefront of their their wish list. And as a result, they have become very church planting oriented and are doing a great job of getting pastors to the fields of both the USA and elsewhere. Um, because they're pooling funds, they're, they're working with micro-networks like we're trying to form. And so little by little, we're doing some things, I think, that are increasingly enabling us to be more effective in ministering to the folks as well as uh, getting our, our funds together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the issue that I see of our weaknesses is the area of finances. That really is an issue for us because we don't require our churches to give. It's all voluntary again. And as a result, uh, cho churches choose not to give because it's not a part of their budget. Uh, they view it as the last thing that takes place. I can tell you from the OERBC's perspective that less than 50% of our churches give to the fellowship of the OERBC. And I think that it probably with the GRBC, it's even probably less than that. And so finances is, is always an issue for our fellowships to be able to continue to do strong ministry 
and we need our churches to be more involved in that area mm-hmm. of their giving. What are what are some of the strengths of organizing ourselves this way? Um, one of the things I like is the fact that we have uh, local fellowships that are able to fine tune what they want to, how they want to minister to the pastors in such things as special speakers they bring in for local pastors fellowships, uh, the kind of uh, the focus they have for the preaching uh, element of state fellowships. Um, I am really appreciating the fact that um, there is a concern by area pastors to uh, assist in smaller churches that are struggling in looking at areas where church plants ought to take place, um, in uh, how they encourage one another, in uh, such things as, um, I'll just speak from other fellowships I've been in, In uh, California, we had uh, a really strong Central California Fellowship that, especially in the greater Fresno area, had some churches that met every month, uh, pastors that met every month. And then we had uh, softball leagues, which could be uh, an asset for um, having unsaved players participate on the teams and to be able to find churches locally that would be able to field teams was a good way for outreach. We had... um, um, local singspirations, which has kind of gone by the wayside, but it was a chance for the churches to get together and just sing and praise God together. Um, we had missionary efforts in, like, for, this, for example, the Treasure Valley. We had 10 sister churches, and we would all uh, work together to have uh, an annual missions conference that would bring in uh, multiple missionary uh, couples and, and singles that could speak it at the ch- each of the churches for a three-Sunday period, which was very encouraging to our folks. And then as a a national group, we have the ability to um, endorse chaplains so that when we have military or police or hospital needs for chaplains, we can endorse chaplains that we can send to those places. And as a result of that endorsement with other uh, associations that have those endorsements, we can have more clout, if you will, when it comes to national uh, strength in what we believe theologically so that we aren't pushed around by, you know, our, our chaplains aren't forced to do or teach things or, you know, do um, homosexual marriages and those kinds of things because we have a group of associations that all say we're banding together to say we won't do that. So there's some power with the national as well as some intimate uh, ability to work together on a local basis as well. All right. What I also find is, is this, is that whenever you travel around the United States or travel around Ohio, uh, there are fellowshipping churches. I, I, what I really appreciate is all of our churches, they're, they're diverse when it comes to styles, when it comes to worship, when it comes to different uh, translations they use. But each one of our churches is very strong on expositional preaching. And uh, that's what I enjoy about our fellowship, is just to be able to know that there are churches just like us who believe the same way, who preach the same way, but are very different in their styles of ministry. And I think that's a real strength that we have because you can pretty much know when you go into one of our fellowshipping churches, you can know what you're gonna find when you get there, especially in the area of preaching Mm -hmm. and teaching ministry. So kind of along those lines, um, Chuck, I know that you, um, kind of one of that first face for people when they think about the ORBC or get introduced to the ORBC and 
serving on the council, I know, you know, there are churches that are applying, they want to join, they want to join a fellowship with us. As a church is considering, and maybe you get introduced to a pastor or some leaders at a local church, what would be what would be the reasons that you would say you need to join us? Or whether that's state level, state, national level, local level, you know, how would how would that conversation go? Sure. What would you be, what would you be saying to these churches? Sure. Uh, that's just happened recently. We just uh, met with a church on Thursday. Uh, part of our council uh, committee uh, was helping to think through new churches. And uh, a lot of what has happened is that, is that churches are coming to us and saying, we need you. And so as I sit down with them and talk with them, we begin to talk about what we can do for, for them. When it comes to helping them financially, that's starting to happen now with with some churches that have closed, God's opened some doors for us financially to be able to assist churches. Uh, when it comes to small groups, when it comes to our 10 area fellowships, that's very important because I, just, I know this to be true, that the grassroots are there. As, as a state organization, we are together two or three times a year when we do different seminars and we come to our annual meeting. But the importance of the church fellowships, the 10 mm -hmm. fellowships, I challenge them in that area. We are uh, helping them when it comes to um, looking for new pastors, when it comes to looking for uh, church fellowships, those type of things, training. And uh, that's what I really want to help them with. Just recently, a new church that's coming to us, uh, they have not uh, been part of anything, and they were very much alone. And uh, they just said to me, we need fellowship with other churches just like ourselves and so that's one area that we really emphasize on is that we can come along and assist you we can encourage you we can build you up we can give you help in areas of your ministry but primarily what they're looking for is just like fellowship like doctrine mm -hmm. and uh, so that's what what we do as a fellowship Great. that's what i do sam what would you say on a national level well maybe i could talk locally sure. first um i think that um as a general rule, the fellowship has, as much as the fellowships that we have on each level is advantageous for the churches as a whole, uh, the pastors really, to me, are the biggest beneficiaries of it. Because as um, when I first started in, in with ABWE and I went out as a teammate to start a first church in California, um, I was, as I said, an ex-Methodist. I had no real serious contacts, plus I was moving way out west didn't know anybody, and the teammate I was with was real big into the pastoral fellowships, and he said, first time we have a chance to go to a California state fellowship or an individual local fellowship, we're going to go. And I said, why? I don't think we need that. Can't we just be ourselves? And, and as I went there, I have to admit, I, I felt like a fish out of water. I didn't know anybody. Um, nobody seemed to be that serious about talking to me, and I thought, this is not of any value whatsoever. Well, then, as we got more connected with some pastors and as pastors started reaching out to us, uh, I came to find that there was tremendous fellowship uh, and tremendous benefits for being in the fellowship. And it started with just the fact that um, we pastors, we can be kind of lonely, and sometimes it feels like we're the only guy suffering through some certain problem in our church, or we have some opposition from some uh, rowdy ch church member, and we're thinking, nobody's ever had this problem before except me, I'm sure. And then you get to a pastor's fellowship and they can relate to you. And they all do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And they were so greatly encouraging to relate to the situations we were going through and to give advice, give counsel. 
I love the fact that um, both on a local and a state and a national level, we had, as as Chuck mentioned, we had good preaching, um, speakers that could come in and and really minister to our hearts in a very special way. So as a pastor, I think if if you, even if you do very little as a church congregation, the pastors benefit so greatly from being a part of these kinds of pastoral and and, uh, church associations. Uh, Plus on a national level, especially as it relates to this uh, group that we call the Generate, used to be called Baptist Builders Club. It's a group that does fund, um, bring resources together to fund um, needs that churches have, whether it's if they have a tornado come through or flood damage or something and they can request funds, then we can give them a large body of funds either as a grant or a loan to help take care of that immediate need. We have funds that are available for church planting, and that means from the very get-go, before you even launch anything, you can have uh, funds to have folks come in and help mentor you, uh, do assessments of your group to know how to proceed, what you need to put in place to, cu- uh, to do a church plant. Uh, we'll fund half of the um, necessary advisory um, uh, counsel that pe- that churches get as they're needing to be revitalized, and they need some somebody to come in from the outside and to help them sort through what strengths they have and what weaknesses they have, so they can move forward in a more positive way. And then we have funds for if churches just have some needs. Uh, we just applied ourselves as a church for uh, we need an air conditioner for our main auditorium, and didn't have the funds for the twenty thousand dollars, and so we applied and, and got a twelve thousand dollar grant. So. There's all sorts of ways by which we are now uh, gathering funds to help care for needs of uh, churches and pastors as it relates to church planning and church revitalization. So for me, the biggest benefit was for the pastors, but there are lots of things for the churches as well on a local and national level. Good. Um, <clears throat> one of the questions um, along that kind of would be the benefit for uh, you know, we're going to have 100 people here sitting in the auditorium in our sanctuary. Uh, what is the benefit for each of those individual people, most of whom are going to be listening to this? What's the benefit for them specifically? I can st- think on a state level, especially for the people of the church, uh, of the men's ministries that are going on. Uh, in the state this year, three men's ministries took place. Man Up was here in, in the Hebron. And uh, how many were here, Pastor, for that? Two, two to 220. Yeah. 220 that were there. Uh, down in Bell Fountain, mm-hmm. there was a great opportunity there to see that's gone on for a long time. Probably 300 men are there. And then I was up in the NEO this year, and this is the second year that they've done a men's ministry. And uh, I just thought it was exciting to see. 600 men come together in our state fellowship and enjoy good preaching, good fellowship, and just enjoy being together. That was very important. Uh, when it comes to our ladies' ministries, I think what's really neat is is that there are, they're still missionary-minded, and uh, they have a different area fellowships. They have an annual meeting for that. They have also uh, a retreat that they go to for our women. I think about our seniors and our fellowship. We, we're going to Camp Patmos this, uh, in September this year, and it's just there for the senior adults. What, what a great opportunity to come together to go to our camp. Uh, many of our seniors haven't been there for years. If, if not, they've not been there before. 
and to get to ride over on the boat across uh, Lake Erie to the camp at uh, Camp Patmos and looking forward to those kind of things. But I also look at it from uh, our annual meetings that we have are not just for pastors and wives. They are available for all of our people to come to. And so I think there's really good opportunities for our church people to get involved and find out that the fellowship can be very strong and very encouraging to them. Yep. On a little more um, less frequent level, if your church is able to come up with some funds to support missionaries, we have missionaries that tend to uh, be encouraged by the associations to be a part of going to churches that are of a like-minded theology and want to reproduce uh, the same kind of churches that would teach the things we believe overseas and in, in, in our nation. So as it relates to missionary involvement, it's very good to have an association that can um, both produce missionaries that would come from churches that have taught them how to, to uh, minister and, and what theology to have. And then also, um, as it relates to, um, if you ever need a, another pastor, which hopefully this church will never have their senior pastor leave, but <laughs> if they ever needed to find another lead pastor or any a pastor, youth pastor, um, then we have uh, schools that have been um, encouraged by our association to find graduates from them and find pastors from churches that are from our association so that you know what you're getting when you call a man to come be your next pastor. He'll have the same doctrine and have some degree of the same kind of practices as you would desire for your future pastor. Yep. Another area, too, is our camps, three camps in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's, it's amazing, those camps. I, I appreciate so much Souda Hills, Skyview Ranch, and Camp Patmos. And the opportunity that we have to be able to have family camps. I'm speaking this summer at uh, Souda Hills for a family camp and also for our teenagers and also for our children. Great asset to be able to go to camp. Lives are changed at camp. Mm -hmm. I know that to be true in my life. I grew up in Minnesota and Bass Lake uh, Camp that was there and I made decisions there for following the Lord and full-time ministry. My wife grew up in Iowa and she went to Iowa Regular Baptist Camp and she made decisions for full-time ministry there. So th there are many opportunities through our fellowships to be able to get from children all the way through adults, great opportunity for ministry. All right. Well, let's finish with uh, maybe a little more personal question. What has been the, uh, the greatest blessing benefit for you personally? Sam, I'll let you go first, let you put you on the spot. What's been the biggest blessing for you personally as being part of our fellowships? I think it's the camaraderie of the fellow pastors, um, being able to find men that uh, have been through the same experiences that I've experienced, um, men who can point me to resources I need, men who, um, when I meet to together for fellowships, we can rejoice together, we can weep together, we can um, share things outside of ministry and spiritual things together like sports and really just enjoy the fellowship that we have together. And then to be able to uh, see what happens when churches get together. Um, some of my fondest memories uh, were from either uh, the softball field where we got together with other churches on the field or when we had uh, times to get together and, and just sing 
and uh, praise God through testimony, uh, Thanksgiving kinds of things, uh, Good Friday kind of things where we got together and rejoiced in the Lord. So the means by which the fellowship and the pastors helped me to have a more intimate walk with Jesus by the things they encouraged me in and to see the blessing of fellowship between other believers as they get together and rejoice together, just enjoying one another's company. Mm -hmm. Being raised in the fellowship, the GRBC, knowing Ohio very well, um, I would have to say this, that even through my education time, that I, I learned what relationships was all about. That's uh, long-term, lifetime friends. I, I enjoy going to the conferences. I, I love the preaching, but what I really enjoy is spending time with friends that I look forward to seeing, and uh, that's very important. To, to be able to rub shoulders like even with Sam and be able to rub shoulders with you, Pastor, and to be able to just to be able to enjoy being together as brothers in Christ. We have, we have such a rich heritage together. And uh, I, I think about going back to Bethany Camp in New York, and that was where I met your grandfather. <laughs> and uh, then to be able to pastor down in Florida and be able to see the ministry that he had at Maranatha. And uh, God just uh, gives people in our lives, uh, I think of men in days past who have all gone to glory today, who impacted my life. It was all because of the GRBC, because of the Ohio Fellowship, men that mentored me, that encouraged me. And now I have the opportunity to do the same thing. So it's great to be able to do that together. And we can do that through our fellowship of churches. Very good. Well, we, uh, it's a blessing to be a part of it. Personally, and for our churches, appreciate the ministry that you guys have, uh, the what you contribute to these, and uh, I'm gonna ask you to stick around and record another episode. But until that, 